This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. The Catholic Church has said officially in numerous times in history that there have been occasions where something strange and incredible, something unworldly or otherworldly rather, happened. The faithful, either the laity, religious, or priests, claim to have been visited by apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And upon investigation by Rome, who always takes a skeptical approach at the beginning of these investigations, on numerous times, these visitations have been deemed worthy of belief, meaning that you, as a Catholic, can believe that it actually happened. While not a single one of these visitations are required to be believed in by the laity, according to the Church, as part of salvation, these visitations often come with messages about the need for repentance on the part of the faithful and, upon, and as part of the whole church in general. And they often have dire warnings about the future. I've spoken countless times about the messages of Our Lady of Fatima, Our Lady of Akita, and recently about Our Lady of the Good Event of the Purification, better known by the unfortunate inaccurate translation that you've probably heard, Our Lady of Good Success. But I thought it would be good to revisit the first such Marian apparition I spoke about when I started this channel back in 2018, Our Lady of La Salette, which might be the least known of the better-known apparitions of Our Lady. Her message is eerily appropriate for our time, and we're definitely going to talk about the most hidden part of the message, the warning that two wicked popes would reign before the material chastisement that is to come, and the different interpretations of what that actually means. Because of the extensive quoting in this video, we're bringing back that image of Hilaire Belloc that I, that most of you who've been subscribed for a long time are used to seeing. And we should start with a little bit of background here. You can find more in-depth explanations of the backgrounds of the seers involved in this if you want online through my sources site or return to tradition.org or through nearly countless books written on this particular apparition. Our Lady of La Salette used to be very big in the Fatima and the Catholic prophecy community, but has, for whatever reason, kind of drifted into the background. But here's the quick version. From a, the website Catholic Straight Answers, we get this short summary of who the seer was and where the apparition occurred. Quote, on Saturday afternoon, September 19th, 1846, two children, Maximin Gorod, age 11, and I know I mispronounced his name, my apologies, and Melanie Calva, age 14, were tending sheep for their employers near La Salette in the French Alps. The effects of the French Revolution, which had instilled fear into the church, the blood spilt during the reign of Napoleon, the increasing secularization of social thought, and the rising political turmoil env enveloping Europe at that time, had taken a serious toll on the faith of the people. In the parish of La Salette, fewer and fewer people attended Mass, and the sacraments were neglected. Cursing had overtaken praying, licentiousness, purity and greed and self-indulgence, or had overtaken piety and sacrifice. Melanie, one of the eight children, came from a poor family and began working at age seven. She had no schooling, knew only bits of the catechism, and frequently attended Mass, and could hardly recite the Our Father or the Hail Mary. Similarly, Maximin, whose mother had gone on to her judgment and who did not like his stepmother, had little religious education and no schooling. While they were tending their sheep, they saw a brilliant light, brighter than the sun. As they approached, they noticed a beautiful lady, seated on a rock and crying, with her face in her hands. In tears, she stood and spoke to them in their local French dialect. She wore a headdress topped by a loosened crown with a 
band of roses, a dress with beams of light and slippers edged with roses. Around her neck hung a gold crucifix. On one end of the cross beam was a hammer and nails, and on the end, a pincher. Over her shoulders was a heavy chain. End quote. So there's the quick version of Our Lady of La Salette and the, for context before we get to the message. More context, though. Europe, at this point in history, was in turmoil and heading towards some massive continent-shaping conflicts over the next few years. If you look at the times of Our Lady and how she appeared to seers, that seems to be a common theme. Either conflict of that kind was going on or was about to go on or was wrapping up. The following is her message that most have heard of, at least I think in passing. Melanie would have a lot to say in addition to the Vatican suppressing this message and then approving an edited version later on, much to her chagrin. But here's the message of Our Lady of La Salette from the same article, quote, She said, Come to me, my children. Do not be afraid. I am here to tell you something of the greatest importance. If my people will not obey, I shall be compelled to loose my son's arm. It is so heavy, so pressing, that I can no longer restrain it. How long have I suffered for you? If my son is not to cast you off, I am obliged to entreat him without ceasing. But you take not the least notice of that. No matter how well you pray in the future, no matter how well you act, you'll never be able to make up to me what I have endured for your sake. I have appointed you six days for working. The seventh I have reserved for myself and no one will give it to me. This it is which causes the weight of my son's arm to be crushing. The cart drivers cannot swear without bringing in my son's name. These are the two things which make my son's arm so burdensome. If the harvest is spoiled, it is your own fault. I warned you last year by means of the potatoes. You paid no heed. Quite the reverse. When you discovered that the potatoes had rotted, you swore. You abused my son's name. They will continue to rot, and by Christmas this year there will be none left. If you have grain, it will do no good to sow it. For what you sow, the beasts will devour, and any part of it that springs up will crumble into dust when you thresh it. A great famine is coming, but before that happens, the children under seven years of age will be seized with trembling and will expire before their, their parents. The grown-ups will pay for their sins by hunger. The grapes will rot, and the walnuts will turn bad. Then Our Lady said, If people are converted, the rocks will become piles of wheat, and it will be found that the potatoes will have sown themselves. She then asked the children, Do you say your prayers well, my children? No, we hardly say them at all, they mumbled. Ah, my children, it is important that you say them, at night and in the morning. When you don't have time, at least say an Our Father and a Hail Mary, and when you can, say more. Our Lady then returned to her chastisement of the people. Only a few rather old women go to Mass in the summer. All the rest work every Sunday through the summer. And in winter, when they don't know what to do with themselves, they go to Mass only to poke fun at religion. During Lent, they flock to the butcher shops like dogs. She concluded, saying, My children, you will make this known to all my people. She then walked away up a steep path and disappeared in a bright light. End quote. A sobering message, but by comparison to our times, those times that heaven was warning about were pious. I wish I had saved it here, but there is a map showing that in most of Europe, South America, North America, and most places, only 10 to 20% of Christians, broadly speaking, attend any kind of church service weekly. The United States was the most pious country on the map at 36% weekly attendance. Think about the implications of that, folks. Take all the time you need. And of the message, 
Mary gave the children how much it worse it is for us now. There is another part of this that is often hidden. As it turned out, later in life, Melanie wrote Pope's, or letters to the Pope detailing secrets from the message of Fatima that had been suppressed. And these eventually came out. The most famous or infamous of this is the line, Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of Antichrist. What that means is anyone's guess. Various interpretations abound. Whether that means the people of Rome will lose the faith and embrace the man of sin, or whether a pope will lose the faith and become essentially a little a antichrist. It is a matter of faith that the pope, that there will not be a pope who is the man of sin. The church has ruled definitively on that, and it is heresy to say otherwise. But one of the more popular interpretations is that it will be the city of Rome, the people, and that it will become the seat of antichrist meaning the Pope will be chased out of Rome. What I mean that we're seeing already signs of that anyway. And as evidence for this, at least one commentator on this cites the book of Daniel, where we see this in chapter 9. Seventy weeks of years are concentrated on your people and on your holy city, so that transgression shall be finished, and sin shall reach an end, and iniquity shall be wiped away, and so that everlasting justice shall be brought in and vision and prophecy shall be fulfilled, and the saint of saints shall be anointed. Therefore, know and take heed from the going forth of the word to build up Jerusalem again until the Christ leader. There will be seven weeks of years and 62 weeks of years, and the wide path will be built again, and the walls in a time of anguish. And after 62 weeks of years, the Christ leader will be slain, and the people who have denied him will not be his. And the people, when their leader arrives, will destroy the city and the sanctuary, and its end will be devastation. And after the end of the war, the desolation will be set up. But he will confirm a covenant with many for one week of years, and for half of the week of years, victim and sacrifice will nearly cease. But there will be in the temple the abomination of desolation, and the desolation will continue even to the consummation and end. End quote. That is from chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, verses 9 verses 24, rather, to 27. But Melanie had a lot more to say about this. The next point has been suppressed by Rome, but it eventually got out and is the subject of hot debate. I'll present the most famous portion here, that of Father Gregory Hess, who presents the warning against two worm-ridden popes conveyed by Melanie later in life in a private letter to the Pope. Real terms of La Salette were never given. True. I know one line in the message of La Salette that has been censored universally. I cannot in good conscience say who was the one who censored it. I cannot say it was the Pope or the Cardinals. I believe it, it, it was uh, uh, a Pope. And, and again, I uh, do not know which one. The line that was censored was that uh, Our Lady said that in the, in the, the, the coming century or the 20th century, that I don't remember, I remember literally the quotation, there will be deux papes vermoulus, en français, two worm-ridden popes. Now, there are some out there who disagree with his analysis, partially because they don't trust Malachi Martin or Father Hess, but they acknowledge that Melanie did warn about this. They do acknowledge that much, though the translation they tend to use is different. Now, from one such website, we have this. 
It's from Roman Catholic imperialist. Quote, I didn't see, I don't see any great pope or great monarch before an extremely great tribulation, horrifying, terrible, and general for all Christendom. But before that time, twice there will be a short-lived peace. Two shaky, servile, doubtful popes. I protest highly against a different text, which people may dare publish after my death. I protest once more against the very false statements of all those who dare say and write first that I embroidered the secret. Second, against those who state that the Queen Mother did not say to transmit the secret to all her people. End quote. That website's interpretation is different very clearly here. They believe that there will be two doubtful popes at the same time. Not in a time of overt schism, but two popes attempting to reign simultaneously in cooperation with each other. Most of you know of, and some of you believe the hypothesis that Benedict XVI is the true pope and that his resignation was invalid. You probably don't like that I call it a hypothesis, and that Francis was elevated illegitimately to the papacy. There's an alternative hypothesis promoted by Antonio Sochi in his book, The Secret of Benedict XVI, which posits that Benedict attempted to bifurcate the papacy into two offices simultaneously, and they wanted two popes to reign at the same time. Now, the problem with that is pretty obvious. You can't have two popes at the same time. But that is a hypothesis some hold to, and that is what it looks like you'll see in this interpretation of that message. From their website, quote, The actual quote from Melanie is, Two shaky, servile, doubtful popes. This quote, Two shaky, servile, doubtful popes, is found in the letters of Melanie. Father Hess and Father Malachi Martin did not understand that these two popes would sit by side by side. There are two popes alive today sitting side by side, just like the high priest Annas and Caiaphas, who sat in judgment of Christ during his passion. So if you believe the words of Our Lady and Melanie, then you must believe that we have two shaky, servile, doubtful popes, end quote. I don't agree that you must believe that. We are talking about private revelation here and is open to a lot of interpretation. My other issue with that is that Father Malachi Martin was a world-class Jesuit-trained translator back when that meant something and had been used by John the Twenty-Third for that purpose, and he assisted at Vatican II as a translator. He was one of the skilled Pariti at the council. And that's why I take issue with not trusting him on the translation of this. But what is indisputable is that Rome hid part of the message of La Salette, and did so during the reign of Leo Thirteenth, one of my favorite popes. Why? Probably because the concept of a wicked pope or two who go beyond merely being anti-popes was probably unfathomable. Merely being an anti-pope is something that history provides numerous examples of. Just look to the great Western schism, if you don't believe me. But something worse than an anti-pope? Almost unthinkable. But it does provide precedent for my own skepticism about the official third secret of Fatima, which doesn't really make a lot of sense at all compared to the other messages of Fatima and what was said by Sister Lucia afterwards. But my own hypothesis about the third secret is a subject best left for another time. For now, it is sufficient to say that clearly the message of La Salette applies to our time. But I'm curious what you think about that. So let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. Share this on social media if you can. That helps a lot as well. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.